Welcome or welcome back to Both Sides of the Barricade. I know I say we have a special guest every week, but this week is even more special because I have my dad here with me. He's the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Taylor. <laughs> he is my concert buddy most of the time. We talk about music more than we talk about anything else. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to say before we start, Dad? <laughs> I'm very excited to be here today. <laughs> I'm so glad. This is this was a very requested episode. A lot of my friends who know my dad were like, when are you having him on? Because I feel like I mentioned you a lot in the other episodes. So it was only a matter of time. For anyone who does not know, I'm wearing my dad's merch right now. Uh, <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, <laughs> my dad was in a cover band called The Coopers and I wear his merch around as a pajama shirt, like pretty much half the time. So it's only older than you are. <laughs> um, okay. So I like to start out the episodes by talking about our relationship. Obviously this is going to be a very unique one because you're my parent, but how would you describe our relationship or dynamic as both music fans and as family members? Well, it's probably the same regardless of whether music fans are family members. We just we get along very well. We have a, a strange sense of humor that we all share in this family. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we really, when we go to concerts, we definitely enjoy each other's company and have a lot to talk about. It's just, it's, it's always, I'm thrilled that you and your brother are both so into seeing live music the way that I am. And that uh, we get to go to different shows together because you go to, I go to certain shows with you, I go to certain shows with him, and then we go to certain shows as an entire family, but it's, you get to cover a whole lot of uh, different types of music that way. And I feel like you were the person that I went to my first few shows with. I mean, like you weren't at my very first one when I saw Miley Cyrus, Best of Both Worlds. No, no, that was your mother. <laughs> yes. But uh, definitely the first shows that I like asked to go to, you were my chaperone for those because I remember, I think at the time I was probably like, just let me go alone. Like I'm old enough, but you were like, no, <laughs> no. So I'm learning my parenting skills with you. So mm -hmm. hold on. Dylan's calling. <laughs> Worst timing. Dylan, we're literally, filming. we're recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> he just hung up. He didn't have to do that. <laughs> I did not have to do that. Because I called him before we started and yeah, okay. and I was like, I've never been so disrespected. How dare you not pick up <laughs> wow. back to it? And so how would you say we've bonded and connected through music? Because I feel like our relationship has kind of developed as we both became like into the same artists. I've definitely introduced you to some. You've introduced me to many. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to that? Well, in terms of how we or how we bonded over music. I mean, we've, I've been playing music for you since you were in the womb. <laughs> um, and I think, I think it was probably very clear to you at a young age, how important music was to me in my life and how passionate I would get about certain artists and, and things like that. I think that bond was formed very early in terms of, uh, a love of music and and different different uh, types of music, but I guess when it comes to going to shows together, like you said, it started out with there were certain artists you wanted to go see, and you needed a chaperone, and so I would go with you. And there were times where I was like, "Oh, these people are great," 
or there were some opening bands that weren't so great. <laughs> that wasn't my doing though. That wasn't your doing. That was that was a byproduct of the artists that you wanted to see. But what what I like about it is again, it gives me an opportunity to be exposed to music that I may or may not discover on my own. That even if I do discover it on my own, I may or may not be like that interested in going to see that particular artist live. But if you want to go, then we go. So it's it's gotten me. I think the 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 year that we went to the first Firefly, I must have gone to. I think I think I tallied it up, and, and I think I saw like sixty live acts that year between the festivals and the concerts that we went to. Yeah. Or that we went to, or, or I went to with your brother, or, you know, in combination. But yeah, it's. I think I see a lot more live music because of you than I would have necessarily. I would have probably gone to the shows that I really wanted to go to, but that's where I get the bonus shows. Yes. Well, not anymore, unfortunately, but. Well, yeah, right, right now, nobody's. Yeah. yeah uh, this year is probably the least number. No, last year was the least number because it was zero. <laughs> I don't think I saw anybody in 2020. Really? I saw two, but. You did, but I think all the shows that I went to were before oh. New Year. Yeah. So, but, well, I take that back. I did see live shows in 2020 because I happened to be in New Orleans for a trip just before everything got sideways. So I did see a bunch of live bands down there, but not a particular artist that I wanted to see, but I saw a lot of live music pretty yeah, much every yeah. day, all day. So now that we've talked about how you and I have bonded, let's talk a little bit about, you know, your relationship with music before I was born and when you were kind of my age or, you know, a young adult and kind of describe yourself as a fan of music. Well, so probably before I went to college, um, I was a, I was a fan of music, but it was where I grew up. It was basically anything that was being played on the radio or that other peers were listening to at the time. There wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for live shows because of the remote location that I lived in. And even if, even if I hadn't lived in a remote location, my suspicion is I wouldn't have gotten to go to very many live shows anyway. Um, but once I got to, to school in Philly, I started, my, my musical taste and fandom, I guess, started to shift because Again, I was exposed to a lot of music that I hadn't listened to in high school through other friends in, uh, in the dorm and whatnot. And I, at that time, I got really into Rush because a couple of the guys in the dorm were really into them. And so we went and saw them live. But uh, I think really the, the epiphany for me, and you, you know this, um, was in the fall of my junior year, one of the guys that I had had lived in the dorm with and then went on to like spend a summer in a house with, he had a bunch of extra Springsteen tickets because he bought tickets for every night during the Born in the USA tour at the Spectrum. And so he had extra tickets for one of the nights and he's like, hey, are you interested? And so I, my friend Eric and I were like, yeah, we'll take the tickets. And night of the show comes around and, you know, there's a bunch of stuff going on in the dorm. And I'm like, oh, do I really want to go all the way down to the spectrum to go to this concert? Because I wasn't a huge Springsteen fan at the time. I mean, I knew some, I knew some of the songs. That's so weird. And, to hear. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's bizarre. Long story short, we went to the show and we had seats 
fourth row behind the stage. So we were basically on top of the stage, mm -hmm. like just like, so we, we were behind the band and you just saw the entire spectrum laid out in front of you. I think the moment they counted in Born in the USA, the very beginning of that show, I say this all the time, my life changed like in a flash. By the time the show was over, I was, I was literally soaked in sweat. My jeans were soaked in sweat from just, it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen or experienced. And um, from that moment forward, my relationship with music was completely altered. It was, I was much more, I don't know how to describe it. There was just something that made me want to engage with it in a different way than just kind of listening to, to music in my room kind of thing. Yeah. And um, from there, it's been a long, crazy ride. <laughs> <laughs> you basically just became a stan like oh I, oh huge huge <laughs> thing yeah yeah and then uh it's funny because the second time i saw him was literally let's see we saw him in september so october november December. we drove down to hampton virginia at the beginning of january i think it was january 5th was the the date of the show somehow we get, i don't even i don't even know how we got tickets one of the guys in the dorm got tickets so we rented a car and road tripped down to Hampton, Virginia in an ice storm. Saw the second show. Again, we were, we were this time we weren't quite behind the stage. We were kind of like off to the, to the side of the stage, but we were like, the Hampton arena felt like it was half the size of the spectrum. So it felt like we were like on top of the stage this mm -hmm. time. And I was like, again, just mind blown, great show. And from there, it's just, it, it's been a long, long, uh, very eventful trip with uh, my friend, Mr. Springsteen. Yes. Would you like to share how many times you've seen him? I don't know the, I, I don't know that I have the exact number, but it's, I think, I think I have seen at least 50 shows. 50. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was like yeah. 35. No, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I have to go back. I might be exaggerating. It's definitely more than 40. Yeah. I mean, I would believe 50. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> that's crazy though. Cause I've seen him, I think twice or three times, maybe Dylan's seen him three times. I don't know. Well, if the one you time. went to two shows at Citizens Bank Park, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he went to one other show at uh, the Wachovia Center. Yeah. With us. So I've seen him twice. I want to yeah. see him again when he comes back. Cause I'm like, I don't know how many more tours he's going to do. I'm as many as, I mean, he's like, he's like the stones. Yeah. I keep going until he uh, can't go anymore. Yeah. I mean, the one show I did see, I mean, it was the longest show he's ever played or at least in the, the longest, US. longest yes, show yes. in the U S so, I think he played one show in Europe that was maybe two or three minutes longer than the show we saw. I know that makes me mad. I'm like, I wish he had just stayed at that point, just stay out. Yeah, like, I think it was four hours and 15 minutes for the show that we saw in Philly. Yeah. Something like that. But it was, it was a long show. It's nonstop. Yeah. You know, back when I first saw him in, uh, in the eighties, he would do, he would do a full set. They would take maybe like a 15 minute break come back out, do another full set, walk off the stage, come back and then do an encore that was basically another full set. <laughs> but now they play nonstop. Yeah. They're, they're like there's no break. And so for them to play for four and a half hours or four hours and 15 minutes straight, it's pretty impressive. 
and I don't know how old he was at that show, but like, uh, well, that was 2016, 64. Yeah. I think I was more tired than he was. I, I can't even imagine like half the crowd was probably, well, there were a lot of kids too. And I know Dylan was younger. Like mm-hmm. we were just tired. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, I don't even know how he was going. Cause the fans couldn't even keep up. But yeah. I guess if you have the adrenaline from being on stage, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you feed off the audience. I think that's really what it boils down to. As the lead singer in the in the Coopers, you enjoyed performing because you got that you know feeling mm-hmm. without being like a yeah. full time artist. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I got I got the benefit of enjoying that experience without having to deal with any of the craziness of people chasing me down the street or you know, accosting me in the supermarket because I wasn't famous. <laughs> I was famous in my own mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> I know it's very different now with social media and I know you see how I make friends or kind of involve myself in artist fandoms and communities. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you were a part of in some way? Like, did you meet other Bruce Springsteen fans or other artist fans and become friends with them? Or I know you, you follow the Bruce Springsteen forum. Again, back in, back in the eighties. Well, first of all, in 19, 1984 and 1985, there were four huge artists in the world, Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna was huge at the time. And, and Springsteen was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people a lot of people were fans. A lot of people weren't nuts. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, um, luckily, there were a bunch of folks at school who were very into it. Guys that, you know, had bootleg tapes that they would make copies of for me and things like that. So I got kind of involved in the, in the tape trading kind of thing uh, of live shows. And as, as time, you know, not so much at shows because I would go to shows with a bunch of other, you know, a bunch of friends who were also fans. So it wasn't as if I was going to the shows and meeting the person next to me or, or like hanging out and talking to them. And, you know, back then there weren't a lot of general admission type shows going on. So it wasn't like you got there early to try to get in. You, yeah. know, you had your seat. So it's like you could show up 15, 20 minutes before showtime and not worry about missing anything. As time went on, a lot of my friendships grew out of our interest in music or interest in in certain bands and things like that, because there were, you know, friends that I met once I started working who, oh, we like the, we like the same music. So we would go, you know, to see shows together and our friendships would evolve out of that. That's kind of how my friendships with work associates or, or through work associates evolved. And what are your thoughts then on like how I've done that through like social media or meeting people at shows? I I think positive side of social media is it allows you to connect with people with like interests. And so being able to kind of scratch that fan itch with other people is a really cool thing. That wasn't something that, you know, necessarily we could do back in the day. Once the internet kicked in, you know, there, like you said, there are fan forums that you could go on and kind of talk about stuff, but it was usually like a chat room of some sort that mm-hmm. you would do that in. So I think the proliferation of the different kind of social media platforms really allows you to kind of, on the one hand, tailor your feed to get the stuff that you want, but that's also a bad thing in, in some ways. But 
I think there's an advantage to it when you're trying to connect with other people who are fans of artists. I think there's an advantage to it of meeting up with people at shows. That that wasn't just wasn't something that happened. I mean, other other than a very organic way of literally meeting them at the show. Yeah. There was yeah. no, hey, I'm gonna be at the show. Why don't we like meet up for a drink beforehand and you know go to the show? Unless you were calling them on a landline phone, you weren't getting hold of them or sending them a letter. The yeah. old the old letter. You know, this was these, these were days before email and all of that good stuff. Well, then it makes sense that you'd go with people from school because, I mean, we keep mentioning your college. You went to the University of Pennsylvania and you were an electrical engineering major. I always think that's very impressive. So I like to share it. <laughs> for me, I always felt like school wasn't really the best place for me to meet people that I related to. I always felt that like online, I was able to meet people because I was an insane fan and like, there weren't a lot of people like that. But... Well, and you went to a smaller school. Yeah. Uh, my school had to have been twice to three times the size student body. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was in the heart of Philadelphia. And there was literally a live music venue in the middle of campus, the Chestnut Cabaret, one of the greatest places <laughs> to see live shows back in the day. Uh, so many bands, like newer bands would come there and play. That's where I saw the Bodines for the first time and saw them probably there like five or six times more after that. But uh, there, there were so many opportunities for me to go to live shows and, and the school itself brought in a lot of, a lot of bands. I mean, Echo and the Bunnymen played at, uh, at the um, Irvine Auditorium at Penn. The Replacements played there. General Public, English Beat. I mean, we had a, just a rotation of artists coming through. Elvis, I saw Elvis Costello there as well. There was a lot of opportunity to see live music that, again, with where you were, you were kind of more remote from those opportunities. Yeah. I, could, I could literally walk to almost any of the live venues in Philadelphia. And if I couldn't get there on foot, hop on the subway and I'm down at Spectrum or yeah. or the vet, you know. Now we'll talk a little bit about like specific shows. Are there any like crazy stories in terms of, I mean, you talked about driving in the ice storm, but mm -hmm. uh, what kind of lengths have you gone to for artists or shows like camping overnight for tickets or, you know, unfortunately. Camped overnight once for spring scene tickets outside of the Spectrum. Must have been for, had to have been for the Tunnel of Love tour. I was camping out. We spent the night hanging out outside of the, the subway terminal down there at the Spectrum. We, we never fell asleep, which you don't really, when you camp out for tickets, you don't really sleep unless mm -hmm. you're there for days, um, as you well know. Yes. Um, <laughs> preaching, to the, preaching to the choir. But somehow someone had defecated nearby us well, we were looking the other way. Like, I mean, literally three or four bodies away from us, somebody did this. And so that was unpleasant. Yeah. I don't know that it was an exciting uh, camping out experience, but we ended up getting tickets, which is a good thing. Because again, back in the day, the only way you could get tickets was to either go to the venue that they were selling them or go to a Ticketmaster location, which were typically located in record stores or other, other uh, music venues. So you'd have to kind of strategize what's the best opportunity to kind of 
get the ticket based on how many people are going to be in line where. We did we did the spectrum and, and it worked out. The only other way to get tickets back then was to dial on the phone. You you dialed and you'd either get a busy signal or you'd get on hold. Being on hold didn't guarantee that you were going to get tickets. It just guaranteed that you were potentially in line to get tickets. Yeah, that you were on And so the danger was you'd be like hanging out there, you know, waiting because somebody else could dial in while you're waiting and get through ahead of you. It was just, it was the worst situation. I mean, that's I mean, like now with the queue, the online queue, like that's the same. Yeah, but at least with the online queue, I've been very lucky getting tickets over the internet. Yeah, you have luck. Yeah. I don't. Trying to get tickets in the days before electricity was, was not fun. Yeah, well, I mean, that's like us camping now for like front row because mm-hmm. you'll get like a GA ticket, but then people are like, oh, let's camp out the night before. And you're like- Right now it's camping out because you got general admission. Yeah. You're trying to get positioned for, for the show. And and I like the general admission shows. I like, I like that opportunity to kind of, you, you can try to get up very close or you can just kind of circulate the perimeter. And a lot of times that's a lot more fun because you can kind of watch not just the show, but the show, the yeah. people are the show just as much as what's going up on stage. And some of the best concerts experiences I've had have been being up in the rafters and just seeing that sea of humanity celebrating the same thing at the same time. I like being in the back for the 1975 shows. I think more than mm-hmm. I like being at the front because it's just fun to see like the crowd interact. And and the the downside of being all the way up to the barricade at a big show is you don't get the full visual effect of the show. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of times you're so close that the light show or, or the, the screens or whatever else they're trying to project as part of the experience, you're missing out on that part. Yeah, you're, you're very engaged with the artist, but you're not yeah. really getting the full experience of the show. Like when we went to see Kings of Leon, which was a show that we just on the spur of the moment bought tickets for. We were at the back of the arena the very back but down by the floor but the back of the the arena so kind of at the end of the basketball court i'm glad we were because then you really experienced kind of what was going on especially when they had that mid-break where he came out and played some acoustic songs with big curtains behind him and that and then i think he finished that set with walls and everything opened up yeah that was cool it was it was just a really cool that was the moment yeah during that show Every show I go to, I'm, I'm like waiting for that moment of like, okay, that, that was it. You know, yeah. it's just like mind blown kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so your story about the guy who uh, defecated, as you said, um, mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of uh, Lana. At oh, yeah. When we were waiting to get, yeah. When we were waiting to get into GA there. And uh-huh. uh, it was the same day as, I think I talked about this on a previous episode, yeah. but it was the same day that a lot of people were tailgating for the Eagles. Eagles uh, playoff game, yep. yes. And it was the game that decided if they were going to the Super Bowl. So many people were tailgating. And again, keep in mind, Lana fans are like girls and gays. And, <laughs> and me. Eagles fans are not. <laughs> yes, and dad. Eagles fans are not. And they were all drinking and day drunk and annoying. And for some reason, they would come all the way over to our arena because it's two separate arenas just kind of shared by the same parking lot and right. we come all the way over here 
I guess because their cars were closer. And like there were some shrubs to hide behind. Yes, there were some shrubs where they could pee and clear the beer. Yeah, so much pee accumulated that it created like like a river, as you call yeah, it. A, yeah, a stream going down the sidewalk. Yeah, and into the Lana line. I just saw the fans, the Lana fans freaking out. Like they had to create like a space to allow it to go well, through. And, and if you remember, somebody was walking their dog and didn't bother to clean up after them. Yeah, people and were just walking through it. We were basically watch, watching the lottery to see who was going to step in. And it was on either side of us. Like yeah. on my right was the pee and on my left was people stepping in dog poop like so yeah that was really fun too on a positive side then what would you say our most like memorable show experience is well i, I yeah, like i said that uh, that we've done together yeah well the first lana show when we went up to uh the skyline stage yeah at, at the man for a bunch of reasons um they that skyline stage wasn't there when i used to go see shows at the man it was just the the main kind of amphitheater. It was just a really cool show to see the city background and watch her perform. I, I really enjoyed the show that we went uh, down to North Carolina to see her because I, at that point, I was a lot more familiar with her music than I was the first time that I saw her and really enjoyed the show there. Of all the shows with her, it was the, uh, the show at, yes, it was the Wells Fargo, I, I guess, by the time we saw her there. And you got to have Say your hi. fan moment, yes, which is very cool. Because I, I was watching that. I was standing at the back of GA watching that on oh, the screen. giant screens. Yeah. So that was really cool. The first show when we went to Madison Square Garden to see 1975. That's what I was going to say. That was, again, one of those kind of epiphany moments. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, you had played me some of their music and I, and I had seen them on Saturday Night Live. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it should be, it should be fun. But it was more of, you really wanted to go to the show. So we made the trek up to New York and, and went and I was blown away. Yeah. I, I, I became a fan. I keep wanting to go see more of their shows. I yeah. guess we've seen them now. How many times have we, well, you've seen them more than me, but I think I've seen them now three or four times. Yeah. I think maybe like five or six for me. I don't know. Yeah. Before, but Yeah. Cause you went, you went to one more show in DC Mm -hmm. and you went to another show 104.5 birthday show oh and you saw them at governor's ball so yeah, yeah you've definitely seen them at least three more times than i have that show was great i i, I really enjoyed can i speak of the dragons <laughs> yes of course <laughs> um the first show the first live show that i took you to yes uh, imagine dragons and naked and famous opened up for them and what a, what a great bill yeah i mean naked and famous were fantastic imagine dragons we really enjoyed that show as well. When we went to see Halsey at Union Transfer. Oh, that was a great show too. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good show. What stands out for you? Well, the one that I had was the 1975 at Madison Square Garden, just because mm -hmm. I think that one was really cool because you didn't know them as well. And it was like mm -hmm. kind of the first time you were even experiencing them live, really. Yeah. And so that was cool. And Madison Square Garden, what a great place for them to play. Yeah. Um, just a great venue. And it was the first time that I met, honestly, I want to say like 20 people that I knew online, mm -hmm. um, yeah. just from like Halsey fans or 1975, Lana, just a bunch of people. I felt like everyone was there. That was one of the cool things. When we got into the general admission area, people were like yelling your name. I'm like, 
who do we know in New York? Yeah. No one. <laughs> but there were like 15 people who like, like surrounded you. And I'm like, oh, I guess she does know these people. I mean, it just, that was eye-opening for me. Yeah. Well, and um, that show, I like cried because they played like me and Ballad of Me and My Brain and a bunch of crazy yeah. stuff. Oh, was, the, the, the set list was fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thought of that one immediately, but I'm sure there's a million because we've just seen a bunch of shows. Oh, and the Billy show at, at the Met was a lot of fun too. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Was that the first time you saw Billy? I was the first time, yeah. Just loved the animation. That's another show that I think if I'd been all the way up front, I would have missed out on a lot of kind of the stage animation and stuff going on the screens yeah, that yeah. were an integral part of the show, really. That if you're like all the way up front, you're just really kind of focused on the person like standing on the stage. Yeah. And I mean, I had seen her so many times before and been front row where I was kind of like, I kind of want to chill in the back and just enjoy it. And I'm glad that I did because again, like you were saying, all the like animation, that was the, I think the first show of like the, when we all fall asleep tour mm -hmm. that I had seen. Um, but I had heard plenty of the songs prior to that, but it was yeah. cool to see her, you know, from the back. Cause then I did the same thing. I saw her like two days later in New York or maybe even the next day. And mm -hmm. I did the same thing, just hung out in the back. It was also raining and outdoors, still a good show. That was the one on the rooftop, right? Yes. So I have a couple of questions for you now. I like to ask like, you know, I tried to think of some good ones that I haven't asked you a million times before. So the first one I have is what was your favorite song to perform when you were in the Coopers? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Because there were a couple that were just like, every night I looked, every time we played, I really looked forward to performing those particular songs just like heaven was one of them a like classic. yeah i mean that that was that was one of my favorite songs to perform head on by uh the jesus and mary chain oh um dance with myself another classic little billy idol little billy idol yeah th those were those were the ones that i i kind of oh and pretty in pink psychedelic first yep like yep. Those, those those songs every night that we played those i was like oh we're going to play this now. And again, crowd favorites. Mm -hmm. So it was just a lot of fun. To, I mean, at one point, we had probably something like 150 or 200 songs that we could choose from that we knew. Yeah. Weird, because I knew the lyrics to all of those songs. Yeah. Just, I don't have that memory anymore. But, <laughs> you know, we, somebody would say, oh, let's do this song. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I can do that, because I remember the Remember the words. The, those four songs, I think, were probably the ones that come to mind when I think, oh, what, what did I really like to play? Uh, are there any songs that you think you would enjoy playing like now, like if you hit, were still in oh, band? Don't even, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I think about that all the time, like Sex by the 1975. A absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What a great, just, it's got such a great hook to it. And it's just, it, it's just a fun song. There's so many songs, Brian Fallon or the Gaslight Anthem, I would love to play because his lyrics are so good. More so from an acoustic standpoint, there are songs there that I would really enjoy performing. The Menzingers? The Menzingers, yes. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Yes, Anna. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would love to perform Anna. That is such a great song. Yeah. So there's, there's so much good music. It felt like there was a period of time, for me anyway, where I couldn't find a new band that I enjoyed. It's like, it just felt like there was this gap of time. 
it might have been the time in my life where I was just too busy listening to the stuff that I liked from before, but it just seemed like it was kind of a drought mm-hmm. finding finding something new that I really was passionate about. But lately, there's just been there's there, there's been a lot of stuff that I really kind of get excited about. Who is your favorite artist that I have introduced you to? And I'll share some of mine that you've introduced me to, too. No, 1975. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> and like I said, I think I think we had seen them on Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you were a fan of them at the time. Oh, I, I think was, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, at, hands down. <laughs> hands down, yeah. I love Lana, too, but 1975 is- I can't blame you. God bless the 1975. Um, I think my favorite artist, I mean, I just think of the artists that I grew up listening to, but I love like, I love Billy Idol. I love The Cure. Yeah. I'm a Bruce look, fan too. Look, yeah. I mean, look, it's not, it's not a requirement in this family. That <laughs> oh, it you are, is. Well, it's not a requirement. You don't have to be hardcore the way that I am. What if but... I hated Bruce? <sighs> um, I guess we'd cross that bridge. Um, but definitely those three. I mean, I find myself listening to like Billy Idol all the time. I think I would have stanned him had I been like oh. around. Yeah, I mean, he's still, I think he's still. Oh, he's still touring. Yeah, yeah so maybe one day. Okay. Even the artists that you would think I had introduced you to, like Lady Gaga or Katy Perry or Paramore, like you introduced me no, to. I think I introduced you to them. You did? Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember that so vividly, like you putting those songs on my like MP3 yeah. player or whatever. Like, that's just so funny. Is there an artist that you saw in a smaller club or bar that became much bigger that you like think about now? I can't think of any artists that in, in, like you did with Billy yeah. getting it on yeah. the ground floor, like in a room with, with like 15 people. Now she's huge. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> was like that. No one else is like that, but no, no, yeah. no, that that's. That's one of those vertical trajectories, not kind of the slow ramp up. What do you think of the relationships I've made online, which we kind of touched on, and the Mm -hmm. experiences that I've had with the music industry so far? I guess I kind of just meant like making connections with artists and, you know, building like my career in the Mm -hmm. industry. I I think it's really cool that I think more, probably mostly through this medium, that you've been able to kind of engage with these artists newer up and coming artists and have a conversation with them. That's not what I would consider the typical interview. It's really more of a conversation of how do you feel about these things? What's your relationship with your fans? What's your relationship with the music as opposed to the typical? So how did you think about writing that song? You know, tell me, tell me the origin story for that song. You've done a really good job, proud parent building something here that I, I don't know that you would that you would have thought of doing this when you were a freshman mm-hmm. or when you when you first kind of went into the music industry I think it was more of as time went on you're like oh I could do this and it's not an easy thing to do to interview people and keep a conversation going in a way that doesn't feel forced so what I've seen of episodes that you've done whether it's with your friends or, or other fans, or whether it's with artists who are sometimes your friends, it's it you, it just seems very natural for you, and I could I could actually see you, regardless of what your career or job becomes in the music industry, I could see you kind of continuing to do this. Would you consider this music journalism, or would you consider it more of? I guess in a way, fondue for two. 
fondue for two. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I would consider, it's just, I do like to think that it's different from the typical interview. I like to think that the guests like really enjoy the conversations. I I hope that they do at least, and that it's not, it doesn't feel like press, you know, slots that they have with, you know, radio stations or whatever. I like to think that me as a fan of the people that I have on, like a really big fan, it helps to kind of provide a different perspective or I think of, you know, really in-depth questions because I genuinely as a fan want to know like the Mm -hmm. answer. And I think that that is intriguing to people who listen and hopefully to artists that I have on. And I hope that I can continue it if people enjoy it. But, you know, I, yeah, I don't think I would have done this in freshman year either. I don't think I would have had the confidence to do it at that time. I still feel very nervous even now recording a lot of the episodes, but I think that seeing people's positive reaction to it helps me to want to do it more, continue doing Mm -hmm. it. I feel like I had one more question, but I don't remember what it is. Well, didn't fans, (laughs) none of my fans sent in questions? I mean, I didn't ask Gibson, but <laughs> um, I'm sure he would have had some. Oh, I was going to ask you if you wanted to share the Winona Ryder story. <laughs> sure. It's, it's well, technically music related. It is technically music related. I'm not going to remember which tour it was. I think it was the Don't Tell a Soul tour, but I was kind of following the replacements around and saw them at the tower here in Philly, made a road trip up to New York, nothing a road trip up to New York from the Philadelphia area is that difficult. And I had friends who were living in New York at the time. We went to the show and I had barricade. I was all the way up at the front of the stage and uh, we watched the opening band. Things were great. You know, had my whole position waiting for the uh, replacements to come out on stage. They come out and rip into something. I am literally lifted off of my feet by the like, wave of people. I'm like, holy crap. I've never been in the midst of this. I know people know what mosh pits are. I, I was not a, not a fan. So I worked my way to the back of the uh, crowd and watched the show from a safe distance and Mm -hmm. enjoyed it much more because I could actually, you know, watch the show instead of being tossed like a cork. But after the show, we went to a bar next door in there having a drink. I looked over to my right, maybe Four feet away from me was Winona Ryder, who at the time I had a massive crush on. And I was, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, I could go over and say, say something to her. What? I have no idea. <laughs> she was standing there and lit up a cigarette and I was going to go over and, and ask her if I could have a cigarette. Yeah, that would have been so smooth. But as I was just about to step over. A guy came up and started talking to her and it was Matt Dillon. He was an actor. He still is an actor. At that point, I was like, yeah, she's talking to another famous person. I don't think she's going to want to talk to me. So I just kind of faded into the background. But that was the Winona Ryder story. Not nearly as interesting as the Paul Westerberg story. When we saw them at the tower a few weeks before that, Uh, We went to a bar next door and I was sitting at a table in a booth and Paul Westerberg came in, sat down at the table and had a drink with me until the band that was playing in there played a song that he got excited about. And he jumped up on the table and jumped over my head 
up onto the stage and started singing with the band. Oh, to have that level of confidence. Yes, like... to have that level of confidence or just, or to be that drunk. Yeah, oh yeah, that too. One or the other. <laughs> the last thing I like to, you know, have people plug their current favorite song or album or artist that they're listening to. So if you oh, have- now, you know, now it's going to be tough. Well, I, I mentioned Anna by the Menzingers. That, that song is, is on heavy rotation these days. I've been listening to so many random playlists lately uh, on Spotify just to like kind of pick up new stuff. I found a really good playlist on Spotify, a shoegaze playlist that had really good tunes on it. I mean, I didn't really think of any either. The only thing I thought of is that I've been listening to a lot of Grimes lately. But yeah, I think that's everything I have. Um, you can follow Both Sides of the Barricade on Instagram at Both Sides of the Barricade. You can follow us on Twitter at BSOTV Pod, the acronym and then pod. We're on Facebook. You can follow me at jtaylorldr on Instagram and Twitter. You can try to find my dad, but he's private. Good luck. <laughs> and uh, This episode is available on Spotify and iTunes. You can watch it on YouTube. Please follow, subscribe, like, download, rate, comment, all of that. Dad, thank you for being on. Thank and you. Feel free to say bye to the girls and gays. And uh, we will see you next week with a new episode. Thank you, Dad, for being on and goodbye. Hope I didn't disappoint. <laughs> you did not. <laughs>